Thanks for downloading this podcast from Burghead Free Church in Murray, Scotland. We exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Our vision is to grow to be a vibrant all-age church of 100 disciples. Find out more at burgheadfreechurch.org. Zechariah chapter 1, verses 8 to 15. During the night I had a vision, and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, What are these, my lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, We have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. Then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the town of Judah, which you have been angry with these seventy years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, and I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. Well, our youngest daughter is three years old. The other day we were trying to teach her how to phone 999 in an emergency. It's the sort of thing you're supposed to teach your kids, right? Imagine mummy or daddy was lying on the floor, my wife said to her. What would you do? No response. She just looked at us and grinned. And I had the distinct impression that we weren't getting through. Anyway, we we persevered. We were trying to tell her how, how first you should try and wake up the immobilized parent. And then if that couldn't be done, you should try and find another grown up. And if that couldn't be done, then you should call 999 and explain the emergency and give your address. But try as we might to teach her this, she wasn't showing the slightest sign of interest. So I decided that a bit of role play would would be the answer. So I lay on the floor and pretended to be unconscious while my wife tried to coach her through the necessary steps. Now, for a while, she did and said nothing, which I have to say is highly unusual for that particular daughter. And then silently, without saying a word, she walked over to me, lying on the floor, gave me this inquisitive look, and then bundled up her fist and punched me full force in the kidney. Now, that was not the wake-up call that I was trying to encourage her to give. But I suppose it did the job. The punch was so hard that that even if I was semi-conscious, I reckon I would have been awake instantly. Wake-up calls are never pleasant. Whether it's a punch in the ribs or an early morning alarm clock, nobody likes them. But sometimes, I guess, they're necessary. If you're new to, to church... Um, I'm really grateful you've given this a look this morning. I'm going to talk for about 20 minutes. I'm going to argue from the Bible something that you might find shocking or controversial, but that I'm convinced is true. That this pandemic 
that we've all been enduring for a year now is in part a wake-up call from God to us. That's not all it is, but it is that. And if we hear the wake-up call properly, if we respond to it rightly, then great good could come from it for us. Great good could come from it, but, but we all know it's not been a good year to live through. Over 120,000 dead in the UK. Everyone's life changed beyond all recognition. Business on hold, education disrupted. In fact, if you're anything like me, I, I sometimes think things are so changed, it's kind of hard to remember what normal life was like. You know, before all of this, of course, the world wasn't without its problems, but by and large, here in Scotland, many of our lives went on in, in safety and in peace. We, we saw our families, we took our kids to school, we went to restaurants, we got professional haircuts that were a bit less extreme than this one. But now God has sent this pandemic and it's shaken all of that up. It's disrupted our peace and our prosperity. Now, I mentioned God, and I'm aware that you may be watching as a guest today, and you're a bit agnostic about his existence. Now, look, I reckon there is all manner of good evidence for the existence of God, and if you're interested in that, it might be a good thing to do to join our Christianity Explored course, which starts on the 15th of April. We might also have other questions about this pandemic, like why does God allow suffering? Again, I think there are good answers to those questions, although that's not quite the question we're looking at this morning. So today, can I invite you to consider for a moment that God is real, even if you're not sure about that. If that's true, surely one question we would have to ask him at a time like this is why? Why has God disrupted our peace and our prosperity by sending or, or allowing this pandemic? Now, the first thing I need to say is that I do not have a hotline to the mind of God. It would be extremely arrogant for me or for any other Christian to claim that we have exact insight into everything God does. We don't. However, we are going to look today at this ancient wisdom from the Bible, which will, I think, point us in the right direction. We did hear that reading from, from Zechariah a few moments ago. And again, I have to say, in, in Bible terms, even for most Christians, this is a, not a very well-known book. It's also a book where God speaks um, to Zechariah through dreams, which are full of kind of weird imagery. Although, to be fair, I reckon that could be said for your dreams as well. So if you're tuning in today for the first time, you might think it's a bit of a bonkers book uh, for us to look at. Um, you know, why didn't I choose something a bit better known? The answer is that here, God says some things which I think speak right to our situation today and give us an angle on this pandemic that's, that's absolutely crucial, but that we might otherwise easily miss. So read a little bit of this fascinating vision with me. From verse 8, During the night I had a vision, there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. So we have a bunch of messengers on horseback. Verse 10 says that these are the messengers God has sent out 
to take a look at the earth for him, to kind of see what's going on down there, you might say. And they report back, this is verse 11 now, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. It's interesting, isn't it? If, if God had sent his messengers out uh, into 21st century Scotland before this pandemic, I guess they could have said something similar. Not that everything was perfect, of course, but by and large, most people lived in peace and safety. Certainly, we had no idea a global pandemic was around the corner. And the TV news wasn't filled every night with the stark reality of death in the way that it is now. So anyway, this report comes back to God that everything is at rest and at peace in the world. All, all's good down there. And then to cut a long story short, you get the most strange and surprising reaction from God. See, you might think that God would be pleased that, that all is at rest and at peace in the earth. But instead, when God hears that all is at peace, he's angry. Verse 15, I am very angry with these nations that feel secure. Which sounds bizarre, doesn't it? You, you might say, oh, I thought God was loving. You know, what possible reason could a loving God have for being angry with things being at peace? It seems kind of bonkers. If God is good and just, and he is, he must have a very good reason for being unhappy with a state of peace on earth. Well, indeed he does, and that's what we're going to see just now. Think again of that lesson we were trying to teach my three-year-old daughter, except this time imagine it's real. Imagine I have fallen, banged my head or whatever, and I am lying unconscious on the floor. The three-year-old comes in and sees me well, looking very peaceful. You know, ah, oh, she might say, you know, daddy's having a nice sleep. Better not disturb him. Now, granted, that is not normally the attitude of three-year-olds anywhere, but go with me here. I might look peaceful, but the reality is that that peace is an illusion. I've actually banged my head. I'm actually unconscious. And if nothing is done, I might never wake up. At that moment, I don't need peace. I need to be wakened up and shaken up. And maybe even need a punch in the kidney. And time and again in the Bible, God sends disaster or calamity for the same reason, to wake us up. And just like a bystander shaking an unconscious patient to wake them up, God doesn't do this because he hates us, he does it because he loves us. If you love someone, you don't leave them in their coma. You do what you can, even if it's violent, like a punch in the kidney, to wake them up. Now, you might say, well, all right, but to be woken up from what? What do you mean? What have we got wrong? Why are we in danger? Why does God need to bring us to our senses? Well, listen, many of us go through life, I guess, not giving God a second thought and if we do think about God I, I guess we maybe just think about him like a kind of wet cosmic grandmother um, who's just sort of kind and nice you know, we, we tend to think of God as if 
Well, if he's there, we, we must be on the right side of him. You know, he must just accept us as we are. We, you know, we just live in peace, thinking that all is well between us and, and God. Add to that, we also don't think much about death. It's not our favorite topic of thought, is it? And on the rare occasions we're kind of forced to think about death, like when it's on the news every night or maybe when we go to a funeral or something, maybe we just have a kind of vague idea that if there is a heaven, then our wet cosmic grandmother God will definitely let let us in. But I need to be straight with you and tell you that God says that that's not true. And just like these people in Zechariah's day, God is upset with all of our talk of peace and safety. Not because he's against you, but because he's for you. In the Bible, disasters like plagues and pandemics come to do three things for us. To wake us, to warn us, and to win us. And in the next few minutes, very quickly, I want to say something about each of those. So number one, calamity comes to wake us. See, again, when, when things are going relatively well in life, it's easy just to not give a second thought to, to the big questions of life and to completely forget about death. But this last year has been a stark wake-up call, certainly about the reality of death. Listen, I don't want to sound morbid this morning. I guess I'm not being any more morbid than the 10 o'clock news is every night, which for almost a year now has broadcast the number of COVID deaths every single day. Now, of course, the number of COVID deaths is actually just a pretty small proportion of the whole population, but it should serve as a reminder to all of us about our own mortality. The death rate from COVID may only be a few percent of those who are infected, or maybe even less, but the death rate in life is 100%. I'm going to die, and so are you. If nothing else, the pandemic should have woken us up and reminded us of that uncomfortable truth. Pandemics come to wake us, but secondly, to warn us. Calamity comes to warn us. And you might think, well, so what? Okay, I'm going to die Fine, so let's then just suck all the juice out of life now and ignore God and all that stuff. But please can I warn you that that is a great mistake. And if you think that way, you will end up regretting it forever. You might like to think that God is a a kind of wet cosmic grandmother We might like to think that all is well between us and God, but God says that's not true. God tells us the truth. The truth is that all is not well between us and him. In fact, God says we we have a great problem. If all was well between us and God, I guess he wouldn't want to disrupt our peace and safety, but he sends calamity to wake us up to the reality of our situation. And the reality of our situation is that we, that that you and I, have become separated from God, estranged from him, cut off from him, however you want to put it. And, And that leaves us in great danger. See, God is the source of all goodness and love and life. 
And we were made to live in a relationship with him, in a friendship with him. You know, with us as his children and him as our father, or, or with him as our king and us as his subjects, however you want to picture it. And that's not some kind of dull religious thing. Like that's, that's life as it's meant to be lived. God marked out that way of life for us. But we, every one of us, has chosen to turn our back on that, to say to God, we don't need him as our friend. We don't love him as our father. We don't want him as our king. And instead, if we're honest, we put ourselves on, on the throne of our lives, if I can put it that way. We say, get stuffed, God. Now, we might not have said those words, but in our hearts, the Bible says that's the reality. Here's a picture to help us visualize this. It's almost as if we stand on one great cliff and God on the other, and in between there is an unbridgeable gap between us created by our sin that that's what the bible calls those ways that we rebel against god and that leaves us in great danger because if nothing can be done about that situation we will remain separated from the love and the life of god not just now but forever that is the judgment the bible calls hell you do not want that Listen, I'm not trying to ruin your day. I just want to tell you the truth. And, and if all of this is true, if we're separated from the love and the life of God, the God we were made to know, and if without intervention we're heading for eternal judgment, it would be cruel of God, wouldn't it, not to shake us and to wake us up, to warn us of that fact, wouldn't it? And in the Bible, one of the ways God shakes us up to, to realize this is through suffering. The great author, C.S. Lewis, who many of you will know, wrote the Narnia books. He was an atheist, but he became a Christian. He said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our, consciousness, our consciences, but shouts in our pains. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. According to the Bible, calamities like pandemics come to rouse us from the delusion that all is well in the world and that all is well with God because it isn't. God loves us. He loves you. And in his love, he comes to tell you the truth. In a sense, that this, this judgment that we're all experiencing now of pandemic is, is, is a wake-up call for the greater judgment that is to come unless we can find a rescue from it all. Do you know, in a strange way, that the, the Green Lobby, the environmentalist lobby, I think have almost understood this. That they're saying something similar, albeit about the environment. They're saying that this pandemic is a wake-up call, almost like a big break to, to get us to review our actions, you know, and to stop flying and traveling so much, to, to stop interfering with the natural world and so on. And they may well have a point. But in a bigger way, but a similar way, that the Bible is saying this pandemic is like a spiritual wake-up call. Call for us to examine not just the way we treat the environment, but to, to examine our hearts to consider our mortality and to ask ourselves if we're prepared to meet our God.
And you might ask, well, all right, but how can I be prepared to meet God? If this is a wake-up call, well, fine, but what do I do about it? How, How do I respond? Well, that's our third point. We've seen God sends calamity to wake us, to warn us, but thirdly, to win us. Back to my three-year-old daughter and our failed attempts to teach her how to get the emergency services. At this point, I am rolling around the floor in pain with a sore kidney, as well as a a wounded pride, having been beaten up by a toddler. Uh, You might have thought someone with this haircut could look after themselves better, but apparently not. The object of the lesson was to try and show little Fiona how to get a rescue for the unconscious patients. And in response to our dangerous situation, being separated from God, heading for judgment, God offers us the same. He offers us a rescue. Back to our image. Remember, this is our situation. There is nothing we can do to bridge the gap back to God. And so God does the most surprising thing. He brings the most wonderful rescue. Rather than leaving us eternally socially distanced from himself, God comes to save us. He sends his son, Jesus, who lives a perfect life of love in God, but then against all expectations goes to die a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus himself says he does that to rescue us. How? Well, sin must be punished because God is just. So Jesus dies taking on himself the judgment, the condemnation that you and I deserved for living as rebels against God. And so the cross which brought death to Jesus becomes a kind of bridge to life for us. It's the way back to God. The way back for us to know God, to live life with him as it's meant to be lived, with God as our father and our friend and our king, and doing that eternally, forever, in heaven with him. So what must we do? Well, just one thing. And what do you know? This ancient book of Zechariah tells us that too. Back in chapter 1, verse 3, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. We've got to choose to return to God. The God that we've forgotten or neglected or shunned. God didn't forget us. But instead he's using all things, even this pandemic, to get our attention, to wake us, to warn us but also to win us back to himself, to himself, finding forgiveness in Jesus. We must simply return to him. And we can do that today. Now look, maybe some of you are totally new to this. You've got a ton of questions. You've literally never heard this before. That's okay. I'd encourage you to come back. Join us on on Sundays. We meet here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. every week. You might also like to come along to our Christianity Explored course, which starts in April. We meet once a week. We chat together. We laugh together. We watch a short video. We look at the life of Jesus in the Bible and have plenty of chance for discussions and questions. But some of you are not brand new to this. 
Maybe you've been with us throughout lockdown. I know there are quite a lot of people like that. Just, just watching kind of from afar, online. But you know enough to know that now is the time for you to respond, to, to return to God, as the passage put it. And if that's you, well, here's a short prayer. I'm going to pray it in a moment, but we'll put it up on the screen now, and I'm going to read it so that you can see that if you agree with it, and if it's a prayer that you would like to pray. So here it is on the screen just now. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you are my God and creator. I confess that in my sin I've gone my own way and broken your law. I deserve your judgment, but give you great thanks for your son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life I could not, died in my place to pay for my sin. I ask now to receive the gift of Jesus as my Savior and the Lord of my life. Forgive me, I pray, because of him. Thank you for your amazing grace and the promise of being adopted as your child. Please help me die to my old life and live a new life following you as your forgiven child. I wonder if those are words that you need to pray this morning. Well, I'm going to pray them now. And you might like to join in at home. You can say them aloud if you want, or just in the quietness of your own heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you are my God and creator. I confess that in my sin, I've gone my own way and broken your law. I deserve your judgment, but give you great thanks for your son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life I could not, and died in my place to pay for my sin. I ask now to receive the gift of Jesus as my Savior and the Lord of my life. Forgive me, I pray, because of Jesus. Thank you for your amazing grace and the promise of being adopted as your child. Please help me die to my old life and live a new life following you as your forgiven child. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, you can be confident that God has heard it and answered it. The Bible says that all who call on the name of Jesus in this way will find the rescue. I'd love to hear as well. Let me know uh, if you've prayed along with me today. Thanks again for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you'd like to be up to date with each week's talk, why not search Burkhead Free Church on your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. For more information, go to birkheadfreechurch.org.